0: Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 171. And in this conversation, I bring on Doug Howard, who is the Director of Consulting for Remodelers Advantage. And for nearly 25 years, Doug has worked with owners of growing businesses to help them overcome challenges and develop strategies for successfully navigating growth. This conversation, we dig into strategic planning, kind of the five year plan, things to think about, obstacles to overcome and really some, some good questions to consider as you're thinking about heading into next year, but really your next five years. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Doug. I hope you will too. Let's dive right in. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here, Spencer. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I feel like uh, what we're talking about is is very timely, you know, this time of year. But honestly, it's it's kind of timely for whatever stage uh, of your business you're at. So sure, <laughs> we'll get yeah, into right? it. But before we kind of get get into the weeds, what's your background? How'd you get into this crazy world of construction?
1: I uh, went to business school, came out, was going to pursue a corporate kind of career, and then corporate. And I decided that I wasn't designed for corporate; just wasn't uh, wasn't to my liking. I'd always been around small business. My dad owned a small business landscaping company growing up. And so I just had a lot more familiarity there. I went to work for a small business accounting and consulting company that had 12 offices around the country. They focused mostly with gas stations, convenience stores, did a lot of work with the major oil companies training and stuff like that. I kind of worked my way through the company by being willing to move wherever they needed somebody when you know the kids were young and all. And then I ended up president of the company and then the owner decided to retire So I bought four of the 12 offices back in the mid-90s, late-90s. And so we had offices in Alabama, Arizona, Virginia, and Maryland. And I grew that company for 17 years, but it really became more of an accounting and tax company. And I was a marketing guy, right? So that was like, you know, it it was fun to buy the company. But by the time I was going into my 17th tax season and data security and all that, I'm like, you know what? I love the numbers. I love the businesses. There's got to be a better way. And so I sold off the last of the offices. We had started a consulting company right after the recession to try to just kind of help companies get back on track. Did that for a couple of years and then actually crossed paths with the Ruano's Advantage through LinkedIn. They were looking for someone to do some consulting, but they also hired me to do their strategic planning for 2017. Hmm. And as they like to say, I just refused to leave after that. So, um uh, <laughs> I started working with some of their clients and I came on board in November of 17 to build a consulting practice under the RI umbrella. So we're, we're just about in, finished up the fourth year of doing that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And when you talk about like strategic planning, I feel like I hear that term and probably everybody thinks about it a little bit differently. Or to some people, it maybe sounds cool because it's like, oh, this is really going to help us get to where, I, where we want to go. And to other people, it may be like, ah, that's just kind of a fluffy term like strategy. And you know, so how do you think about that? You know, What is strategic planning?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's I think you described both ends of the spectrum really well. To me, it's about taking a finite point in time. And I usually like about five years. I think shorter than that, it's really hard to make enough change to really see the impact. Longer than that, things get a little bit fuzzy. But to me, it's about, you know, I always start with folks and say, tell me if it's five years from today, what's the company look like? What are you doing? What are you making? What are you driving? How many weeks vacation did you take last year? Like, let's really paint a picture of what that looks like and then start to work backwards from what that needs to be in terms of development of the company. When we had the accounting company right before we sold it, year before we sold it, we did a, a sort of an analysis of all the businesses we had and what made them grow, what kept them from, from growing. And, and at the simplest level, it was always either the limitation of time, people, or money, or some combination of the two. And so when we work backwards, it's like, well, we've got to hire this many people. I want to make this much money. We've got to accommodate growth. And you know, when you work backwards from where you want to be, it's a lot easier to say, okay, well, we're going to need these things. We'll figure out the when and when the right timing and money and all that is. But it's really hard to go from where you are without a plan and just do more of what you're doing and hope that it's going to bring you somewhere else. Because usually, the difference say, between a two million dollar company and a five million dollar company isn't just twice as many people or two and a half as many people working that hard. It's you're doing some things differently. And so you know, at some point, you go from two project managers to three to but you don't go to seven, usually. You end up with a production manager and a hierarchy. But unless you really kind of paint that picture, it's hard to know when you're at that point, when you're in that moment. And I think one of the things that we saw with COVID was, you know, a lot of people have said to me in the last year, I, how can you do strategic planning with the world terms? That's upside down every six months, right? But what we found was the people that had that strategic plan before were the first ones to know how far off track they were. What were some of the things they needed to do to bring things back to center? So we try to get, I always tell people, you know, when we start working with them, we're going to be philosophical for a meeting or two, and then we're going to get right down to the nuts and bolts because you're right. The fluffy stuff is interesting, but it, it, it doesn't help you start making those decisions. So I always equate it much more to like a GPS. Like once we figure out where we're going, we're going to get, you know figure out a roadmap, figure out how to know where we are, and then mostly figure out when we're off track. Right, and then we'll, we'll
0: work from there. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you gotta you gotta know where you're going, and then it's a lot of reverse engineering and figuring out what what that could look like. But then, to your point, like, okay, what's the first few moves right in front of us? Because it's going to change, you know, along the way, regardless as you get going. Yeah, I, I always think it's it's interesting. To use that example of last year. You know, people said, "Well, how can you do strategic planning in a pandemic?" or you could name anything, right? The stock market crashes or, you know, it's winter, so we're slower. You know, there's always going right. to be like some, you know, the magnitude will change. But I felt like I noticed that too, where people that had a plan, they were quicker to pivot, quicker to just jump into action on something because they want to get, they want to stay on course versus if you didn't, you kind of went into defense mode. Do you feel like having a strategic plan? Like, or is it more about? playing offense to get there or or what's kind of the mindset do you feel like behind like developing the plan but then executing on it I think you know it's it's funny cuz sometimes i
1: think people think of like a plan or a budget is sort of a target something that's interesting right but it really doesn't affect their day-to-day operation for others they realize that once that, that it is just a target until you adopt it but then once you start making other decisions like people to hire a new office location, branding, those kinds of things. Once you make an operational decisions based on that target, now you got to hit the target, right? And so it's not just, you know. So I, I always give like lots of analogies, right? But I always say, you know, I've had a couple of daughters, you know, get married, and, and when you pick a wedding date, right, it's way out in the future. So whether it's this week or the next week, a year in advance or two years in advance, doesn't it doesn't make that much difference. But try changing that date when you're three weeks out. Right, it's 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 impossible. Well, a lot of times in business, what we do is you know, well, I want to do five million. It was you know, kind of just a random number, and it is random until we started doing the things that it would take to have that infrastructure, the number of leads, all those things. Now it's not inconsequential anymore. Now that number means something, that we got to deliver on. And I think that's always the hardest transition for people to come up with. That's why we love the five year plans, right? Because it's like, well, if you know where you're where you're going to be or you need to be in five years, or you know, what you're shooting for, then it's a lot easier to say, well, this is what I need 2022 to look like if I'm going to have any shot of being even close to the, you know, to that target.
0: Yeah, um, man. I love that, that, you know, the target, once you start making the decisions, probably a lot of them are monetary, whether it's personnel or investment in infrastructure, whatever it is, but then you've got skin in the game, which I think is your point, you know, and it's like, you kind of have to make it happen. Right.
1: Well, you must do that in your own business, right? I mean, when people come to you and it's like, well, what would be nice? What would be good? But then when they start making the investment of time and money and things like that, it's like, well, now it's not just that would be interesting. It's like, no, that needs to happen, right? Yeah, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. What I'm curious... What percentage of companies do you think actually do strategic planning? Kind of like a you know, hey, this is our five year plan. I know you talk to a lot of folks and help help people with this, but what's your sense of it? Do most companies do it? Do not that many? Is it happening? It's it's
1: funny. We probably see a skewed part of the population because they're already sort of in a planning mode. If 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 they're talking to us, if we're working with them in some in some respects, but amongst the folks we see, I would say probably two thirds do a good annual budget. Mm-hmm. And maybe a third of those, you know, do or a third of the companies have a broader, you know, a multi-year plan. It's growing. I think more and more people are getting that recognition. But I'd say it's probably still maybe 10 15% of the people really say, here's my five-year numbers. And, you know, to me, the plan isn't just, just a revenue number or a target. It's got to be that. It's got to be sort of the model, the business model to go with it. And most importantly, it's got to be the org chart. That supports that level of work. Until you get that org chart and the projections to line up with each other, you have pieces of a plan, but you don't have a plan, you know?
0: Yep. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And, and I'm curious too, I know you talk to people about it and you said it's not just the revenue, but I feel like that's where people start. Where do you encourage them to go after that? Because you and I both know that that's not the magic answer.
1: <laughs> no, actually, the funny thing is, I, I actually flipped the whole thing upside down. I'm like, you know, Tell tell me what you need to make, you know. Tell me what needs to come out the other end when you are of the PL, When you get to that point, and then how much money do we want to have in reserve? Are we trying to pay down debt? Are you trying to build a building? Like, what does this thing have to do? And I always tell them it's kind of like building a hurdle, right? You know, it's like that's this is what the company needs to do. We're going to pay back some debt. You're going to take some money out to have that level of profit. We know there are going to be some tax implications, right? And then we've got overhead. Well, by the time we build all those up, it tells us what gross profit we need. Now, yep. whether, you know, so if it's $2 million of gross profit, you know, some people will do that with $10 million in sales at 20%. Some people will do it with $4 million in sales at 50%. But it's really building up to that number, knowing what that hurdle is you have to get over, I think is best done from the ground up based on where you want to be. Because then it ties everything you're doing in the business to what's driving you personally. And that's what's really going to make it come to life, I, I think. And, yeah. and then, you know, people need to put the right amount of pressure on their business. You know, if this and you don't want to be unrealistic and you don't want to be, you know, a bad boss or anything like that. But it's like, well, we're going to do a bunch of work. We're going to sell what we can sell. We're going to build what we can build and we'll see what comes out when we're done. Well, to me, I want the destination to be what where we're going to be financially, the net profit in five years. Now, let's figure out what we have to do to make that happen. And what it tends to do is it helps you keep a healthy pressure on the company to say, if we came out of 2022 a little behind where we needed to be, we are got to step it up in 2023. You know, again, another analogy I, I always give is like, if we we're on a five-day road trip and I had to get to my daughter's wedding, right? When you have six daughters, someone always someone's always getting married, right? <laughs> so, and it's like, hey, if i got to be in California at two o'clock on Saturday and I come out of day one, I haven't gone far enough. Well on day 2 I'm going to make some adjustments I'm going to leave earlier drive a little faster take a different route whatever and if by day 4 I'm nowhere near California I'm going to make a big a bigger strategic change I'm change I'm going to park the car I'm going to catch a flight right but the destination and the timing isn't shouldn't be the variable and it isn't in that case but in business sometimes we make that the variable
0: you know mm-hmm. we'll
1: just drive and head in the right direction and do things that make sense and see where we end up and I'm like no, you tell me what you want this to look like, and when you want, it, then I'll tell you whether we're driving, driving fast, driving slow, on a plane, whatever. But you know, but that should be what determines where we're going to put our investment in the company, who we're going to hire, how fast we're going to grow, and of course, you always have to adjust for conditions, just like you do on a road trip. But again, you adjust. You know, you don't just say, "Well, it's raining, so we're not getting." It.
0: We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, great analogy. Yeah, it, it feels like a big part of this is kind of the, the mentality and, and shifting it from this is an ideal to like, no, I, I got to get there, you know, and, and then if you kind of can shift to that, then it shifts your activity because I think that you kind of walked us through that with, you know, hey, if you're behind... How do you get ahead? And maybe it's doubling your effort the next year, or you have to change the tactic that you were using because that was the wrong one or, or whatever it is. But I think you're right. You know, it's interesting to hear that. But as you say it, it makes a lot of sense. I think we probably all do that with, you know, like, oh, I was trying to lose five pounds. It's like, well, I lost four. So I'll, I'll lose five the fifth one in the next two weeks or the next month. Or, you know, you could you adjust the finish line to make yourself right. feel a little bit better. <laughs>
1: And sadly, when I lose four out of five, I celebrate by having a Twinkie, and I'm back to two.
0: So, what I wanted to talk about next is I know you you said you you know you bought you know a business, you sold a business, and mm-hmm. and in this industry, I feel like we don't necessarily see a lot of that. You do see some of it. Before we get into the how how part, like how do you build the business so that you could sell it? I'm curious, is that something that you when you're walking people through st- strategic plans, do they want to? sell their business or is it they want to just retire and close it down? Do they want to hand it off to some? Like, I'm curious what you hear, like, what do people actually want? Right.
1: And it's a great question. I literally had a call today from someone that heard me speak
0: somewhere and he said, I
1: really, really want to sell my business in the next five to six years, but I have a bunch of people telling me that you just don't do that in this industry. So what do you think? And I said, well, you know, it depends on the business, but no, I definitely think there's a sellability to these businesses I was a little surprised when I first started when I first started with remodelers advantage just in talking to a lot of remodelers. You know, because I worked when I had my business, it was a lot of different kinds of companies across lots of industries. Very few that just said, well, I'm going to do my last project and close up shop, unless it was very custom. And I, I realized there's a finiteness to the to the projects that we have, but it's really about the expectation of ongoing revenue. Right. And so mm-hmm. if you have a business that it's been a business for 15 years that has a reputation, it has trade partners, it has employees, maybe has a physical location, you know, even though those projects are going to come to an end, there's every reason to expect that there ought to be a flow of projects that come behind that, even though they're not under contract, right? And as I told the gentleman I talked to earlier today, I said, you know, if you bought the pizza shop up the street from your, you know, from the current owner, right, no one in your community is under contract to come buy a pizza from you, right? Right. But it's the flow of business that you're expecting to buy. and You know, in some respects, when I sold my accounting practice, I really sold eight outdated computers and a mailing list, right? There's not much to it, right? And we didn't even put our clients under contract. We just had great relationships with them. But the fact was, there was a flow there. So I I think there is, but I think there's a handful of things you have to do. One is you have to believe that. You have to recognize that. And people will say to me, like, well, I could never sell it because it's named after me. And I say, well, you know, H&R Block was a guy right? You know, Sears and Roebuck, th- those were people, right? So you can have a business that's named after somebody that's long since dead. And the bus- it's all about what the business can produce, right? The yeah. reputation it has. So I think it's out there, but I think it's a, it's, it's a new avenue of thinking for a lot of folks to really start saying, okay, well then I have to have processes. I can't be in every block on the org chart. I have to, you know, do those kinds of things that are going to give it value so that when I step away from it, someone says, Yeah, there would be a, it would still be a revenue flow.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of a fun question. If somebody came to you and said, you know, I need to sell my business within the next three months, what are like the minimum viable things that they have to like get in place to actually make that like a, a quasi-reality? You know, you kind of listed a few things, but I'm curious, like, what's at the top of the list for like if you don't have this, like, no way. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny. I was just reading a
1: book and, and in there, they quoted, and I had heard the quote before, but you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best day to do it is today, you know? So really, if you want to sell, it's really something you want to do with like a three to five year window, really be thinking about, because a lot of what's going to drive it usually about three years of financial statements. What's, what, what do they look like? And what's that trend? right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a multiplier that we're going to apply, which is going to be some of the intangibles of the business, like its reputation and you know the, the depth of its subcontractors and those kinds of things. But there, that multiplier is going to be applied to what, what has been the net proceeds out of this company for the last three years, right? And so really what you want is that three-year window to build something that's going to get you to the, that right kind of number. And it's funny with averages because averages can go in different ways, right? So you could have a business that averages net profit of 200000 a year by being exactly two hundred a year, right? And so year four, you say, well, that's probably going to be in that range. So there's a consistency there. You can also have something that averages 200000 a year by going 400000 30,0, 300000 right? <laughs> and at that point, it's like, well, the average is still two hundred, a year, you know, it's still that, but but the bottom line is it's heading in the wrong direction. But it also can be true the other way. So consistency is a big deal. Good, clear, understandable financials are huge because anybody that's trying to interpret or understand what's going on in that business, if they can't decipher those financials, you know, that's really where the value is going to be determined. And that's that is the hardest thing. So when someone says like I'm a mess and I want to sell, that's when we're saying, like, okay, that three to five year window is get the financials right, get the numbers you know built up over a period of time processes, those kinds of things. But I do have people that call and say, like, you know, I got to be out by spring. And it's like, well, then let's hope you've done some of those things. Yeah, and We just have to, you know, shore them up a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, obviously not not something you want to have to do in three months. It doesn't say, yeah, for the best valuation and, and okay. exit.
1: And really the, the best thing that you can do in this business is groom a successor, right? Yeah. So for some people, it's the next generation of their family. Sometimes it's their leadership team. But there's a lot of value. And that's really how I came to own the company that I had, right? I mean, I was like 32 years old. I think I had 100 bucks in the bank or something like that. I bought a company for $1.1 million, right? And so it was, was, but it was the best opportunity that I was going to have put in front of me, which is why I kind of ended up in an industry I didn't expect to. When you have that successor, the value of what you get for the company, their familiarity, ease of transition. So sometimes even when people say, I'd like to sell in three to five years and I don't have a successor, sometimes we'll actually start looking to recruit maybe like a general manager or someone that could be that successor because it's still such an easier transaction from within.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I um, did a series of podcast episodes with my my dad and my uncle last year and uh, we come from four generations of, of builders in our family. And so we we talked a lot about that. And just, yeah, I think succession and or finding somebody and grooming them, I think, does give you a, a higher chance of success. Not that you can't find a buyer and, and go do it that way. Okay. Sometimes it's a more natural transition. And if you have that three to five-year window, you're Transferring slowly versus maybe a buyer that maybe wants to come in and you'll be on for a year or whatever it is. So yeah, I think. That's- well,
1: and the, and the funny thing is, that it's another great reason to do that five year plan because if I start with somebody and say Spencer, where do you want to be in five years, and you say not here, that also tells me we have a different conversation <laughs> we need to be having about transition, right? So.
0: Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. One thing I always think about if somebody's like listening to this and they're going okay maybe selling is on the table or I I want to go down that path or I'm I'm thinking about that. What do you think is like one of the single biggest like roadblocks to stopping that from happening? What What should they avoid or what do they need to conquer?
1: Yeah, I think one thing is, I think most people, and I think right now we're experiencing this just because of the sheer volume going through the industry right now. Most people just don't take enough time to take a deep breath, slow down a little bit and really think about what they want You know what what they're doing. You know, and and so when I first start working with someone, the first thing that I really encourage them to understand is like we're going to spend a couple hours a month together, right? I need you to spend a comparable amount of time. I don't care if it's at the lake or you know in your car or you know in your man cave or or she shed or wherever wherever you go, right? But you need to have some time to really think, right? You just can't be putting out fires all day long. And then hope that sort of a strategic plan pops up. and so and that's hard because and, and people that know me when I had my company think it's ironic that I give that advice because it was hard for me to do. You know, between the volume of kids that I had and the volume of offices I had, you know, time for reflection at the lake was really not yeah, something. Pretty,
0: pretty minimal, about.
1: but it is. It, it is. It's really one of the things. And then really getting an understanding. You know, some people do it through podcasts. Some people do it through industry events. Some do it through you know our roundtables program. Some do it just. But really, getting an understanding of what's going on, you know, what are some possibilities? You know, I have a lot of people that have preordained ideas about their business, the margins they could get, the biggest jobs they could ever sell. You know, how hard it is to hire the right person, and a lot of that is really conclusions they're drawing a little bit in a vacuum, you know, and really saying, okay, well, if there are folks out there that have done it right? Victoria Downing, the president of our company, she likes to say R&D stands for rip-off and duplicate, right? We're all doing the same stuff. Go see somebody that's done this stuff really well, you know, and talk to them about how they did it. And the one thing I will say about the the, uh, remodeling industry has been a real, not a surprise, but really a a, a very positive thing to me has been just how welcoming the environment is, the community. You know, I find that, you know, most of the folks that I've met in this community are you know, great folks. They're very open. They don't mind sharing ideas and helping people. They're great contributors to their community. It's like you know, what a fun group of folks to hang with you know And so when people really want to explore what the possibilities are, you know there's just there's, there are folks out there that will, will help you down that path. So that's really I think the, the first thing. And the second thing is really just getting clear on what you what you really want out of it. You know, there's a study that says, you know, we we subscribe to the value builder program and we get certified in that, take people through like when they want to build value for their company. And there's a study that says that, you know, after the sale of a business, like two to three years after the sale of a business, if people left the business for something they wanted to do, time with the grandkids, travel, write a book, whatever, right? They're like four times happier or four times as likely to be happy with the sale than the person that left because they just thought, you know, either it was their time because of health reasons or the economy or it was time to let the next generation and they call it like, you know, push and pull. And it's like, if you kind of feel pushed out of the business, you're much less likely to be happy with that decision than if you're pulled to do something else, right? So Mm -hmm. a big part of it, I'll say to folks is, okay, you sold the business today. And, you know, you spent that month doing the stuff that you're around the house you haven't done, you bought a new car with the proceeds, whatever. Okay, now what are we doing? And if they're giving me like a blank stare, it's like, okay, we got to figure out where we're headed here, right? If you're going to truly be happy about making that transition. And that's off the charts for a lot of folks. You know, a lot of folks don't, you know, kind of realize how much of their identity is wrapped up in the business. And, Mm -hmm. uh, And I went through that myself. You know, it was like, it was great. It was exactly what I wanted. But it took me a good year. I mean, I did some consulting projects, but after 17 years of sort of building and being in it every day, and and then it's it's not there. It's like, well, this is weird, you know. And yeah. I mean, I've got I've got you know a lot of times when you're in that situation, you have proceeds from the sale. It's not like you don't have you know money to do anything, but it's like, well, what are you going to do, you know? So I think that's that's a big part
0: of it too. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that. I, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm i I'm kind of a huge like personal finance investing nerd, if if you will. And I've always been on this hard track of like financial independence so that I can take my time to zero and then figure out, like, okay, here's what I want to like, because it's not like I want to stop working, but like here's what I want to do. What I realized is like. I don't have to go from a hundred to zero. I can, if I can just set up my business to go from one hundred to fifty and then I can use the other fifty to do the stuff that I wanted to do. you know, so I think what you were saying is is really important to think about, yeah, if you go from a hundred to zero, what are you gonna fill back the time with? You know, you can only golf so many days a week or go sit on the beach for so long until, you know, if you're not an entrepreneur and a business owner, you're going to get bored real quick. So you got to right. figure out something to do. So yeah.
1: Well, I think a lot of times in family businesses, you see that too. Like one generation almost hangs on a little too long, you know, and sometimes the second generation is a little hesitant to jump in. And I've had people say to me like, look, I don't want to step on dad or mom's toes. Like I'll take over when they die. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, you get so much going on that week. You got to bury them and everything. You know, it's like, like, <laughs> like, what if we transition earlier and dad got to be your mentor, or mom got to be your mentor, or you got to really build with, with that level of advice, or they got to pick, you know, what 15 hours a week they'd really like to work on, what or what two projects they'd like to design. You know, sometimes having that conversation a little earlier on gives everybody a much better playing field. And you're exactly right. I think a lot of times people think about it and it's like, well, I've got to go from 100 to zero. And it's like, nah, there's a lot of numbers in between. You really don't.
0: Yeah. You know? So... <laughs> I uh, know. That's, that's really good. Well, Doug, we're going to wrap up with with our final segment of the show. But before we get to that, if people want to learn more about how you help or strategic planning and that sort of thing, what's the best way to find you online or connect with you?
1: Yeah, they can go to remodelersadvantage.com to the website. They can email me directly at Doug at remodelersadvantage.com. And actually, they can get right on my calendar for a 15-minute conversation just by going to www15 Doug.com and it takes them right into my calendar. So sweet deal. Uh, lo- love to talk to folks just
0: to get an idea of what's going on in their business. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And uh, if you guys miss those URLs, we'll put them in the show notes for you. But Doug, we'll, we always wrap with our fast five, so I'll hit you with five rapid fire questions and okay. just say whatever comes to mind, and, and we'll wrap it up.
1: <clears throat> what's your favorite business book and why? My favorite business book is Good to Great. We just—I just go back to that over and over, and it just, I it's just—I it's, think it's—it's—it's got a lot of the makings of, of stuff that really is timeless.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I'm probably due for a reread on that one. It's been a little while, so good reminder. (laughs) All right. Who is the most inspirational person in your life? I'd say now is
1: my mom. You know, she she did a lot of raising us and and took us through the tough years. Uh, She just turned 80 and she sold our childhood home, bought a condo at the beach, and she was laid off during COVID and they didn't hire her back. So she used some of the proceeds to buy a competing business and she opens her new business at 80 years old on January 3rd.
0: So <laughs> I love that.
1: Truly truly have a strong spirit of entrepreneurship in the uh, in the family?
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Awesome. All right, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? One superpower. I guess I'd fly. Fly.
1: Fly. hard, yeah. hard to beat that, yeah. <laughs> if, if for no other reason not to have to go through the TSA line
0: at the end. Oh man, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, describe yourself in three words. Okay. Energetic, idealistic, and driven. Very good. All right. Final question. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? You know, don't, don't be afraid to really design your
1: dream just like you would. You, you have customers that design a home and, and plan it out and bring it to life. You know, More people are able to do that and more control over that than they think. But sometimes they really just don't take the initiative or they don't believe that they can do it. But, you know, just, just paint the picture you want make it come to life.
0: I like it. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Doug, this has been awesome. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on strategic planning. And yeah, thanks for joining me today. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one with Doug. As usual, let's pull out some takeaways from the conversation. I think the first one was really just what we talked about early on, and that was having that uh, laser focused destination and the target. You know, where are you trying to go? And then making that kind of the north star and then starting from there to reverse engineer the plan to get there and we obviously talked about you know like setting that and and then not caving on on that destination and some of that sort of thing but it really starts with that nailing it down and what does that actually look like and only then can you start to figure out the plan to get there so i think that was one of my biggest takeaways and then the other one i think really was the mentality and I thought Doug had some really some really good points. Some things that I was really thinking about. And once you set the target, not caving on it or not adjusting it if you don't hit hit the target, you know, say, oh well, you know, I didn't get there, so I'll just shoot for it next year. Um, but really saying, okay, I'm not on track. How do I get back on track? And then changing the action, changing the moves, changing the things that you're doing to make sure you hit that. And uh, and he had some great analogies for you know, if you're trying to drive somewhere by a certain date and time, like you're you're going to find a way even if you hit some obstacles. And so I liked thinking about that with the, the business targets as well. So those were two big takeaways for me from the conversation. As always, guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed this one, it really helps us if you like, rate, and review the show. But also feel free to share it with a friend, pass it along to to a peer and spread the word. All right, guys, that's what I got for you. We'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.